if the startup is going well, then you know a team of 20 should become a team of 30, which should become a team of 50. And then that then gives you the ability to go on that growth journey because you're part of that. Welcome to Startup Jobs, a podcast where we explore all the different jobs in a tech startup. What exactly are they and what have we learned from scaling teams from the inside? While most startup content focuses on the founder or investor or specific area like marketing, this show is about accelerating your personal and career growth journey in whatever startup job is best for you. Yeah, exactly, Kai. Like This show is about you. Yep. We want you to be the very best that you can be. So, Kai, I was thinking if we're called startup jobs, perhaps we should just even define what is a startup job. Like, what is a startup? Probably a seems good, like, good seems place like, to start. Well, it seems like a pretty simple question. Yeah. But what's interesting is I typed into Google, what is a startup? And I don't agree with most of the definitions here. <laughs> really? And they're all like really, really different. So, like, this is on page one on Google. The one's like, a startup, this is it from Investopedia, so like a fairly reputable source. Yeah. A startup is a company that's in its first stage of operations and being financed by entrepreneurial founders. Entrepreneurial founders. But like, who's not entrepreneurial if they're starting a new company? Anyways, another one is like, startups are young companies founded to develop unique products or service. Bring it to the market and make it irresistible and irreplaceable. <laughs> okay, I've got a, I got a, a little, little mini quiz for you yeah is this a startup right just just rapid fire okay ready is a new cafe a startup no why well this is what i want to get to have you got other things in the yeah, quiz i can i can i can ask um unprepared quiz is uh i'm i'm unprepared here as well <laughs> it's, it's not, not just you. anything can happen um okay you're starting up a, a new nightclub or a music festival sure no that's not a startup Okay, you're you've just launched you've just launched a a little product on Product Hunt that you've been mucking around with over the weekend, coding away. Maybe. Talk maybe, us through maybe. your thoughts on the different similarities and differences between those things and other businesses. Are there a startup? Yeah, so like a startup, relative to how we're going to talk about it on this show, mm. right? Because other people find whatever. I'm not going to like argue if someone wants to define something else a startup. Um, but a startup is not necessarily just new. So like a startup could still be like, you know, I would still say we're a startup uh, yeah. at Zipline and we're in, you know, sort of fifth odd year or what have you. Um, so it's not necessarily new. It's certainly not like t-shirt wearing, like just because you seem young and cool and have got a cool t-shirt. Um, and it's not necessarily coming up with a completely new business model. Um, sometimes, you know, people call like, oh, we're doing something disruptive, you know, or what right. have you, like that's kind of in the ballpark of being um, a startup. I think like ultimately the definition of how we're going to talk about startup is really around its growth potential and its growth aspirations. And those two could be different. So you could have like high growth potential, but you may not have the aspirations. And so that may be in the world of like bootstrapped, as an example, or maybe it's not funded and we'll explain some of these terms in a second, but yeah. basically it hasn't taken, you know, VC funding, or et cetera. But really at the crux of it, in my view, the, the startup definition is around growth. So like a cafe, <clears throat> it's going to be pretty hard to 
grow to 300% year on year in its first year and then 100% year on year for every year thereafter compounding, you know, five, 10 years in a row, um, unless they franchise it and they open lots. But so, I mean, like the way that we sort of think about it is growth potential, growth aspirations. Like I think tech, like certainly software needs to be a big part of that mix because that's what enables that growth potential. Like you can open a new market with a flick of a switch, right? Like you could technically just open a new landing page yes, and be in a new market. Um, and so I think where there's like some gray areas that I think we'll focus them more on what is startup culture as opposed to technically whether we define the company, you know, as a startup. Like there's a great company in Australia that does skincare called GoTo. I don't know if you know, it's like Hamish, you know, Hamish and Andy, like oh. Hamish's wife started it. Oh, awesome. And I think she's like worth 10 times the amount that he's worth now because it's, it's done, <laughs> it's done really, really well. Um, anyways, like they would have, they probably, I don't know the exact growth numbers, but they probably would have grown 100, 200, 300% year on year. Like, you know, they've, they're now multi hundred wow. million dollar company. That's awesome. And so even though they do skincare and like beauty products, like I would say the way that they've built their e-commerce engine and their tech engine, you know, has been built for sort of hyperscalability. So yeah. yeah, I mean, like I don't, I don't mind if we call that a startup or not, but certainly like in our world, how we're going to talk about on this show, high growth potential, high growth aspirations, tech is at the core, it's driving it. Um, so that's sort of like how, how I would define it. Yeah. And ultimately, right, for us, like in, in startup jobs as a show, yes, it's about what matters to a young person early in their career wanting to go on that sort of personal career growth journey, right? Correct. So that's that's a startup job, whether that's a, you know, a true blue software startup or something that maybe is a different, different fit, but right. gets them in that role. And so like, I think this is where like it's worth talking about um, you know, startup culture and you could maybe call this like high growth culture. Um, you know, like I've got friends that run companies that are growing, you know, let's say they're more than $10 million in revenue and they're growing 50% year on year or like 30, 40% year on year. And if that compounds over time, like that's like, and, and they're cultured in those businesses, they're not software businesses, yeah. um, but have a lot of the similarities as to how I think about what is great sort of positive growth orientated startup culture, which is, you know, things are moving quickly, uh, like there's, you know, fast, um, you know, ambitious as a team, you know, things are changing a lot. So you're having to adapt quickly, you know, there's sort of growth thinking at the core of it, like kind of both growth mindset and what we're trying to get done. Yeah. And, you know, there's the ability to have these high impact roles, um, especially while, you know, starting your career. And I think that's one of the hallmark elements where the two come together hand in hand so you could join a <clears throat> you could join a small family business that has 30 employees and you could have that high impact role but once you nail it it's kind of going to be the same like over the next yeah. year or two like the whole business is not growing quickly and there's not you know these always changing big things that you got to figure out how to get good at. And if you go to a really, really big established company, you know, you're just not going to be able to get the growth in that sort of amount of time. Like, you know, you can go join EY or, you know, whatever it may be. And you're going to have to do your two, three years in each role before you get the next crack, yeah. just the way the structure has been built, et cetera. So certainly the way that we're going to be talking about it is we're talking about startups in these high growth potential, high growth aspirations. And then really when you're getting one of these roles, and we'll talk about the different types of startups um, in a second, but the reason that you would want to go for that and the reason why we're talking about on this show is for that absolute career and personal growth boosting factor. Yeah. I think um, something that I, I, I sort of have spent a bit of time considering is you can go into a bigger company and you can sort of think about the view that you have inside that company. Um, and really you only go into a big company 
with that sort of generalist view right. in a senior role, you know, like in, in, a, in a bigger company. Whereas you can come into a, a smaller company, whether it's a startup or a family business or anything like that, and you can sort of get across lots of different functions early on. Yes. I think that the piece here is in a startup, you can then start to really try different things in sort of a shorter time frame yes. than a bigger company. And the whole company is maturing, right? And so like if, if, if the startup is going well, then, you know, a team of 20 should become a team of 30, which should become a team of 50. Sort of doesn't matter if that's happening every year or if that's happening every two or three years. But broadly speaking, the trajectory is um, that overall company is growing and maturing both in size and in how it executes. And then that then gives you the ability to go on that growth journey because you're part of that. So sort of think of it as like that sort of classic, you know, the, the tide raises all boats. Like, so you're in that boat, but that tide is also rising. And then plus you, you had the compounded growth effect of like being in those various roles that are high impact and, you know, having visibility, as you said, and, and moving, moving across, um, you know, different areas, et cetera. So I think, yeah, that's sort of the best way to think about it is sort of growth potential, growth aspirations. Um, is it worth touching on like funded companies versus unfunded companies? And so like the core person that we're hoping to help here is maybe someone who isn't super familiar with startups or, you know, we'll get to episodes and have conversations where if you're in a startup, like how to kind of maximize your growth potential and like different roles. And so we'll unpack that. But if for someone who's not inside startup ecosystem at all, or certainly in, you know, on the inside of a company, what are some things that you think would be worthwhile covering Kai? Um, yeah. Let's say I'm, you know, year two, I'm in the audit team at EY and I realize what the fuck am I doing? Like, <laughs> I think this tech startup stuff's a bit interesting. Like, what do you think are some of the big things to cover now that we sort of at a high level define what a startup is? Yeah, I think the the piece around like, okay, I'm, I'm jumping on LinkedIn, I'm having a look through some jobs, I'm, I'm trying to understand the the sort of ecosystem mm. of, of what, what startups are, what the good startups are, mm. where I'm going to go and find those roles, where I'm going to experience that growth personally. Mm. So maybe maybe a good way to start this is to start quite practical, which is like, how would you even find a startup job? So like back, you know, you're at, <laughs> you're at, you're at EY and you're like, actually this start thing's quite interesting. Like how would you even search for one, right? Because you, you're clearly not searching for a job at Google because, you know, that's sort of beyond the, yeah. the mega sort of startup stage. Um yeah, so I mean, like if you went into LinkedIn, I don't even know the, let me have a quick look, what's the um, the categories, but I'm sure there's like a software category under jobs. Um, I doubt there'd be startup, but um, probably maybe, something you like could probably do, probably do a keyword search or something. I'm just having a look at um, looking for jobs here. But yeah, I mean, like under that software category, it's certainly going to be helpful, but then you're going to get a whole bunch of stuff like, IT service providers that are doing like cloud migrations or what have you. And look, these are still great companies, but they're not by the definition of the way that we, you know, talking about a startup. So I think a couple of really good places to start. I mean, of course, have a look for software when you click on the company's um, profile, then, you know, go over to LinkedIn. One of the things that I would look for is when you're looking at a particular company to go, okay, like, is this in the definition of the way we describe startup? Yeah. Is actually just look at how many people are on the product and the engineering side and the design side versus the sales and the marketing right. side. Like that's always a really good telltale sign um, early on. Like if you're clicking on Acme company and it's got 80 employees and 80% of them are consultants, then it's not a startup. Like it's a great consulting company that's doing something in tech or in yes. IT. Um, what would the split be that you'd want to see in a, in a sort of startup like this? At least 50-50. You want 50 product 
engineering design and 50% sort of business sales marketing go to market go to market stuff yeah. yeah exactly that's that's probably a good a good sort of guide so that's sort of like just how to read the tea leaves at a company whether it you know is in that ballpark the other one that I quite like in LinkedIn is that you can click on about and it shows you the growth trajectory of employees over the last three years. Yes. I think it only shows it if it's more than 30 people in the company. But if that certainly if that's going downhill, like that may be something to just think about as a flag. Right. Um, notwithstanding some of the like tech, you know, softness happening in the overall market and there may, you know, most companies may have taken a 10% Um slight correction but like overall if a company had like 200 employees a few years ago now they've got 50 <laughs> like you probably want to be thinking about is this the the right company to join so yes. yeah i think the first one is like number of like product roles versus sales roles you know consulting roles the second one is just sort of looking at is this company growing like overall yeah. um i think in terms of like going and having a like finding places yeah i mean i think the australian vcs um and the you know the us vcs and and then in europe as well they all have an aggregate job page. So mm. it, it wouldn't be hard to, I mean, even just a Google search, which would be, you know, top VCs. Um, so for those that are completely new to that terminology, do you want to give me a VC 101, Kai? Venture, on the spot here? venture capital. Yes. Um, people that come into your business and, and for some equity, um, you know, most of the time, um, they're going to give you some cash to, to fuel that growth. Yeah, exactly. And so that they believe that this company has high potential, high aspirations. And we'll talk about the, the pros and cons of being funded from the perspective of joining there as a job because there's yes. obviously perspectives as a founder and there's perspectives um, but we're going to take more of an employee um, lens to these questions because they usually get answered in a founder's lens, right? Totally. Um, so we're going we're to take That's a view of that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I think yeah, the reason why VCs are quite good is that, yeah, I mean, they're making a lot of bets on tech companies um, and they're usually in that sort of sweet spot of, you know, 20 employees going to 100, you know, um, or sort of 100, 200 companies going to 500. <clears throat> and so I think that that's really great fertile ground to kick off. Um, and that junior sort of generalist job. style of role is Yeah, and we'll talk about specific yeah, roles in another episode. But um, yeah, I mean, like in Australia, like Blackbird, Airtree, um, you know, EVP, there's a whole heap that if you go to their website, they'll have jobs and they'll aggregate all the companies in their portfolio. Yeah. A lot of these VCs actually... Um, will have someone dedicated to placing people. Right. And so this like a really smart move is to go, hey, I'm still early in my career. I'm doing X, Y, Z. Like I'd love to get a job at a startup. And then hopefully they say, I listened to startup jobs and they talked about this role, this role, <laughs> this role, which we'll get to another episode. And then just actually just dropping that in their inbox because by definition of being high growth is that you're always needing to hire. Yeah. And so- Man, we always want to talk to amazing fucking people. Yeah. Like, even if you haven't done that, that exact thing before. Um, so, and, and certainly coming through, you know, a VC or coming through directly, whether there's a job ad posted or not. Um, I think that's a great way to find high growth companies and yeah. at least be aware that that's where they exist and actually reaching out cold is totally fine. Yeah. I was, um, I was speaking to our head of talent, Jack, recently, and he was saying that, like, there is such a high signal or... Um, value, I guess, in his head placed on people that come through uh, our investor network. Mm. Um, like he will like eight out of 10 times interview people that come through, you know, AVP, one of our yep. investors, um, you know, like th that's just fascinating to me that there's yes. such a such a weight and value place to people that come through those networks. So it's definitely a great hack. Yep. Great. So maybe it's worth touching on how to think about funded 
companies versus non-funded. Um, yeah. What's your perspective on this? So, we'll, we'll, so one, uh, the term of like non-funded just means that they haven't taken on capital and then they're, they're bootstrapped. And so they've been funded from, um, you know, customer or the founder like early on. And, you know, I've got two or three mates that run bootstrap companies anywhere from sort of three employees to about 15, like 10, 15. Yeah. Um, so I know that world pretty well. Um, yeah. What's your view on bootstrap versus funded? Yeah, I think, um, well, you know, you can, you can go and have a look through Crunchbase, uh, which is a cool website and, and see, um, you know, more often than not, the sort of public investment mm. information on, on companies. That's a great way to find tech companies, by the way. Yeah, totally. I should, hadn't even thought of that. And yet. there's a bunch of Crunchbase. lists on there. Like you can go and filter and, and look. So, you know, one of the benefits of, in my head, going and finding a company that's well-funded is more than anything, as you were saying before, it's a great signal. Yeah, that um, you've had smart people who don't want to lose their money um, look through that business you're thinking about joining and said, yeah, we'll give them X amount of money. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's not to say that, uh, you know, bootstrapped companies might not also be worthy of that money or would have got the same generosity from those investors. But um, it's just, it's just a good signal. Um, I think that's, that's a good place to start. Um, And I'm sure, you know, you'd have some interesting thoughts on, on how that allows you to hire, yes. you know, as you say, you're always hiring in these sort of companies, but um, yeah, like that sort of benefit of, of being capital rich, um, mm. h- how does that affect hiring? So a good way to think about um, funded companies. So like v- VC in particular, I think like if the funding's been private equity, a topic for another episode, then that's probably a, you know, a flag, certainly if they're less than a hundred employees. Um, but if they're funded, then effectively there's a couple of positive things from an employee perspective or a new potential employee joining. Um, the first is, as you said, they've been smart people. Certainly, if they're tier one VCs, you know, tier one investors, um, you know, or family offices like previous founders that are, you know, have had an exit or have a bunch of wealth, and then they're investing in like one of these companies. And these are all really great signals because you don't just get money from a great PowerPoint pitch. Yeah. Um, that's like 1% of the work. Like each one of these investors will spend a lot of time in due diligence, you know, with the founder slash founders, with the team, the you know, the leadership team, you know, with customers, you know, looking through the, and they will basically be going, and, you know, the product, and they'll be like, does this thing really have a shot, you know, at 5Xing or 10Xing or what have you? And they're clearly not going to make that bet in putting in a million dollars, $5 million, 10, whatever the check size is, if they don't have high conviction of that. And if they've got a reputation of making those good bets, well, then what that means for you is that you're optimizing your level of success in terms of this company is going to go somewhere. So I think that's that's sort of the first thing. Yeah. Um, really, the, the core sort of the, the core rubric, if you will, around a company being funded is that it takes that money and it hires people before customer cash. That's the, the simple way to think about it, right? So if I've got to hire 10 people at, you know, $100,000 a year salary as an example, well, then we can spend, you know, $1.5 million on those 10 people with the money that we raised. And then those 10 people go out and do a bunch of great stuff, building product, finding customers, what have you. That then brings us in, I don't know, just, I'm just going to use some round simple numbers, like a million dollars of recurring revenue, maybe in a year or two's time. And then that's a great, that's a great transaction. Like, yes. ha- happy to take that $1 to build a team, pay the people's salary before, happy knowing days. that we get the results, right? Um, 
So yeah, like basically uh, being in a, in a funded environment gives you that um, time and team size to be able to better ahead of the curve, especially when you, if, if you're onto a good thing um, and you've got that opportunity. Yeah. Um, and then I think the final thing is like with regards to that, that signal, um, it's a good way to like just weed out, frankly, just good management and good leadership. Like um, people who aren't strong founders or does it, don't have the right strong leadership team in place relative to their team size. So they don't need a strong leadership team at, you know, for a 10 person company as an example. But um, if that's not in a good spot, they're not going to get the funding. And so like to, to give you like some simple maths. So EVP who we work with, you know, they're Australia's you know, largest B2B SaaS VC. Um, you know, we, we speak highly of them. They're, they're a bit great to work with. Take a guess at how many pitches they see a year. And they're not big, right? Like they're a fairly, certainly by in the thousands, global, yeah, global VC, guess. global VC. I think their current, I think their current, um, their current, uh, like amount of money that they have to invest, like so, their fund. Um, I don't know. I haven't memorized it, but it's in the sort of, you know, call it forty to one hundred millions range. They're not like a billion dollar fund. Yeah. Um, and in number of employees, they're sort of in the ten to twenty range, like ballpark as a VC. So how many, yeah, how many pitches do you think they get per year? Like, uh, I'm going to say like. Two and a half grand. That's uh, so two and a half thousand. Yeah. So last time I spoke with Justin there, he said they get about five thousand pitches per year. Wow. So you're pretty close. Wow. So five thousand decks, and they look through those. They they look through those serious amount. Um. Yeah. They'll they'll look through each one of those decks. Now, of those five thousand pitches, how many do you think they'll go? Actually, that's interesting, Kai. Thanks for that PowerPoint. Like, or thanks for that PDF. Like, come in, let's have a chat. How many do you think they bring in for a meeting? Obviously, there's a whole heap that they just say, oh, no thanks. Five to 10%. So what's that number? Like 500. 500 a year? 500 a year, yeah. yeah that's about right. So um, so 5,000 decks. That's 13 a day though. I just I just pulled it. That's a lot of emails to be receiving consistently every day. Yeah, and they've got a whole team screening this stuff out. Yeah. Um, and that's their, their job and they want more. Right. <laughs> so they go to events and they do stuff to get even totally. more. Um, it's a good problem to have. Totally. Yeah. Um, so 5,000 pitches, they'll do 500 meetings. Um, of those 500 meetings, how many do you think they take a serious look at? Like in some of those in the first meeting, they're just like, no thanks. Like you, you, bombed, you bombed it in the first meeting. I'm going to say another 10% on that. So like 50. Yeah, so they'll probably take a look. It's a little bit higher. They'll probably take a good look like under the hood and start some lightweight DD um, with probably, yeah, somewhere in that vicinity of like maybe 80 to 100. Okay. Like of that. So yeah. it's maybe a there's, – there's, so just think about it. Like you just sent your deck in. You are one of the 5,000. The fact that you got invited to come in to have a meeting, you're in the – you know, the 90% got rejected. Yeah. So that's just a huge milestone. And then you go in and you have that first meeting and then 80% get rejected like after that. Wow. So just the fact that you're in lightweight DD puts you in, frankly, an elite, <laughs> you know, status. And then of that, I mean, they've ramped up some of their deal flow, but they would typically do maybe five to 10 deals a year. Mm. So then think of, you know, they're the, like we're in the, like from 5,000 pitch decks down to, five to 10 deals that they invest in, like those five to 10 that they backed, like there's a lot going on there that's like really great. Yeah. And so if you think of being an employee, um, like let's just speak plainly here, like really incompetent, you know, founders, whether that's 
like toxic stuff or they just don't have their shit together or like the type of boss that you absolutely don't want to be working for. Yes. They're not they're not gonna be in the five to ten. Look, of course, not everyone's gonna, you know, be great. It's not a guaranteed signal. Yeah. But it's a it's a great way to pass a first filter. I think, um, I mean, I th- to, to me, this is sort of maybe one of the biggest points which folks can can run with that of this first episode is that um, at least, you know, reflecting on my journey, like I, I don't have early on in my career a really honed instinct, eye, pattern matching ability for great founders. Right. I might have that at 30 or 40 when right. I'm searching for a job then and I'm able to do more of that digging myself. But yes. really what I need to base my decisions on That's a great point, yeah. Is is the decisions from people that see 5,000 companies a year and have to whittle them down to the 1% of the 1%. Yeah. Um, like, as we said earlier, there are other companies out there not getting funding that are also run by great people doing great of things. Of course, and we'll talk about bootstrap guys now, yeah. But I think if you're going in there and sort of trying to lean on other people's opinions on businesses that are better formed than yours, that's the way I'd do it. I just think like early in your career, you want to optimize for you know, the chance of this thing broadly going well and you want to optimize for a sunny day outcome in terms of just the overall company and the team and, you know, the leadership, et cetera. Like clearly you don't want to bet on something that's going to be a shit show. Like there can be benefits in learning and failing and it could be a very competent team. You know, we maybe talk about that another time, but like um, you're absolutely right. Like you can't pattern match it to the McDonald's manager you had. No. <laughs> um, Even though they've done a great job. They've done a fantastic job. Yeah, game. like, yeah, set, setting up and running a company and, you know, how, how, how does how does that founding team like at least create a, a platform and an environment which you would want to, you know, join and work in? And there's lots of cons to it, right? Because you're not going to get high quality training and onboarding and, yep. you know, the stuff that you're going to get when you join EY or Salesforce and, you know, you're going to sit in a two-week classroom and learn it. Like, you're, you're not going to get that, right? No. There's going to be more chaos. And so um, we should also, you know, talk about when when a startup is a great fit for you or not because it's not a great fit for everyone. Yeah. Um, but just to sort of round out, because that was the funded stuff. Like, I actually, there's there's actually quite a lot of benefits of the, the bootstrap, um, you know, world. I think... The bootstrap world, you know, they may have still high growth potential. You know, I can think of one or two, um, you know, now. But usually it's their growth aspirations um, that may not be as high. So, you know, they may just decide not to hit the, you know, the pedal to the metal and let's try to, you know, double this thing or like grow 50% year on year or whatever it may be. Like they're maybe just quite content that they've got a bit of software. And yeah, like if we grow 20% year on year and, you know, I've got six, a team of six or seven and, you know, like we're pretty happy with that and we've got a stable base of customers and um, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that model at all. And I think um, it sort of can be a really positive family, close knit environment. The, the, the benefits to that is like, you know, that, that may be a better lifestyle choice, especially when you're later in your career, you know, if like, you know, I don't know, mid thirties, forties, what have you. And you've got kids coming along and maybe you don't want to go as hard. Um, you know, that, that could work really well. Or um, even if you're just new to tech, you know, that could be a, a safer place where things aren't changing as quickly and there's not as, you know, as much chaos and yeah. um, et cetera. So that, you know, there's sort of more stability there if you will. But yeah, I mean, I, th- I would say there's a bunch of positives with the, the bootstrap world that the main thing to be aware of is you're probably just not going to get that high level of things are moving quickly from a overall sort of change and bigger picture growth um, perspective. And so there's just that trade-off there. Yeah. And uh, I think, yeah, a good place to end on sort of from your experience, what are the green flags we've sort of discussed? Maybe what are some of those red flags in, in an interview process finding a startup job? So I think on the, the green flag side, um, anything that you can find 
that shows signals to that there's just positive momentum at this company. Um, that can be traction in the market. Um, there can be a range of things. I would not, by the way, I was talking to someone who remain unnamed, but um, an investor who had a lot of insight into hundreds and hundreds, hundreds of like startups. And he actually said the ones that win the most awards, you know, when you see people like, oh, we won like this like innovation award or this yeah. like start, he's like the ones that win the most awards are the worst performing. Huh. <laughs> um, usually because they optimize for winning awards and not sort of executing well in market. I mean, that's an overgeneralization, but um, it's, a, it's not necessarily a flag, but like basically I was just saying, don't confuse that for positive momentum. Like positive momentum is, um, there's genuine love for the product. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're growing well, like, et cetera. There's a range of signals to look at positive momentum. I think the second one is um, spending time with other team there. So I, I wouldn't, if you're going through an interview process, don't just have the interview manager and the people team, what have you. Like, yeah. Reach out to folks that are on LinkedIn that work at this company and go, hey, I'm thinking of considering joining and then have a 15, 30-minute chat and just, you know, is each person that you meet with like impressive and positive about both the environment and where this team and this company is going? That doesn't mean that there's not challenges there. Like, you know, we're going through, you know, some challenges now that's not like all wind in our back, but you would be able to pick up the phone and speak to anyone in this team. And, you know, I'm sure that you just, you walk away going, fuck, that person was like really good and yeah. really smart at that thing. Those and energy. Well, yeah, exactly. And so like, is there that, that positive, um, you know, energy from the team. And then I think the last one is like, unless the company's got more than a hundred employees or 200 employees, I would almost like make sure that you have an interview or a conversation like with the founder. And do you leave that conversation going, fuck yeah, like I want to be part, like I want to be part of this mission. And if that's not a strong, like I've had this, like, I love this um, saying, I forget where it's from, but it's like, if it's not a fuck yes, it should be a fuck no. Totally. <laughs> like if you're kind of, um, uh, what have you, and look, I'm not sort of biasing for, you know, a good speech or, a, you know, rah-rah, but like ultimately this, if this person can't leave you excited about the opportunity and where it's going, then they're they not going to be able to job. do it. And they're not going to be able to do that with customers. They're not going to be able to like rally teams around like hard projects, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So mm. look, it's not the only thing, but it's a super important part because ultimately the leader sets the tone and the culture throughout the organization, no matter what, right? So if you've got a leader who's, you know, super finance, um, driven and you know hasn't got the i don't know like the creative market facing persona there um to to go side by side then you're going to have a different type of culture than you are like with so basically my, my broad, broad point is that founder that leader is going to set the tone for the culture throughout mm -hmm. and if you don't leave that conversation or get it or you know if you can't have a conversation with that person like fucking go find podcasts talks whatever <laughs> uh and if you're not like yeah i want to be part of this this mission and this team then that's that's a big red flag yeah yeah and i think um you also touched on this like we've um spoken about in the sort of intro episode around doing due diligence on a company yes, exactly. as if investors do because totally. you know we've spoken about it. investors do sort of go and reach out to employees on linkedin and yes. find out hey what's happening you know like i think that's a a really great approach and um you know some people may say at the moment it's really not a talent market and you know but, but these are some of the biggest decisions you make in your life yes um and i think having having those discussions and doing that due diligence i think is is a great way to to think Nice. So how do we wrap this up? What were the big takeaways for you here, Kai? Well, I think 
Uh, what is a startup? What is first of all, what is a startup? Yes. Um, I think there has to be you know a lot of growth ambition. Yes. Um, and growth potential. Yes. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be software necessarily. You can yep. make great skin products and do it in a really clever way that's that's set for growth. Yep. Um, and you don't also have to be venture backed. Often startups are, and there's there's a lot of benefits to that. Mainly for for sort of an early career professional, a signaling, yeah, a scre- a screening's done for you, yeah, yeah, and then on that piece around when you're in that process, some green flags, some red flags. I think being really excited and motivated by the founder and their mission, and having a team that speaks in alignment with that. Yeah, I think that's um, yeah, it's a good place to start. Nice. Well, I couldn't have summarised it better myself. <laughs> well done, Kai. Nice. It's uh, yeah, it was a pleasure chatting, Mark, and uh, yeah, we'll catch you all in the next episode. Until next time. If you have any feedback going into these these first five ten episodes and onwards, and hey, if you want to chat about your career, send me an email, Kai at zipline.io. We'll see you next time. See ya.